podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Good evening. Andy keeps disappearing. I don't know what's going on. But welcome to the Anglo-Italian pod. It is Monday and that means it is Monday night Euro review show time. Welcome to the show. And this week we're joined by a former guest and I hope friend of the show. There he is. Andy's back. We are joined by Piero Mingoya. Piero, how are we doing, mate? Evening, guys. Well, thank you. Very good. Andy, uh, are you going to stay with us for long? What's going on? Yeah, it's cut out on me twice when we do the <laughs> intro. And literally, just as the intro finished, it cut me out again. So, You're yeah, here now. We're all here now. That's what matters. We're here safe hopefully and sound. I'm back, to use the words of, like, take that, I'm back for good. Back for good, finally. Cheers. Finally. Thank good. You. So, a great weekend of Serie A and Premier League football. Lots of action to catch up on. Um, very quickly, Andy, what was your favourite game of the weekend? Oh, I mean, it certainly wasn't the Chelsea Manchester United one, to be honest. <laughs> uh, I didn't enjoy that game at all. But uh, I thought the Villa game made me chuckle quite a yes. bit, to be honest with you. I think, obviously, the performance was very, very good. But I think it was the fact that there was such an upturn in performance after looking <laughs> absolutely clueless during, like, midweek, like... You hear that expression about you know playing for the manager or not playing for the manager, and you, you kind of look. I mean, if I was Steven Gerrard looking at watching that performance, I'd be throwing I'd be throwing the glass at the telly or something like that. Honestly, the mental image of him checking his phone and seeing the goals roll in just made me laugh so much. It's like they've done what again? <laughs> like, just he must have been going mad at home. Absolutely loved that. And um, Piero, what was your favorite game of the weekend? Which one did you enjoy the most? Probably going to go Fiorentina Inter. Oof, that was a banger. Right. We're going to get on to that one. I feel like Fiorentina are really kind of waking up a little bit, right? They had a rough rough start, but waking up a bit. Yeah, I think they've got a, a good manager. Um, mm-hmm. Plays a good style of football, kind of on the front foot attacking. And with the early goals, I thought I thought it was uh, done and dusted. And yeah, yeah, all yeah. of a sudden, late comeback. And then Mkhitaryan scores with a ricochet uh, in the 95th minute. <laughs> It's, uh, it's not a bad ending. It, yeah, that was a great, great game. I really did enjoy that one. Nice. Well, we're going to start in Serie A, and we're going to start with your team, Piero, as Milan get one over their old owner and Milan batter Bellasconi. Uh, tell us about this game. How are you feeling about Milan this season? Yeah, OK. I think Milan, for me, look like they just carried on the work that they've done in the last year, year and a half. Um, since lockdown, they there isn't too many games where they they look like they're not on it, barring mm-hmm. to say the the first Chelsea game. But they they always look like they play in a similar manner. Um, obviously, you can win, lose, or draw, but the way they play is pretty similar. And I think that's what you can ask for as a fan um, that your team kind of goes for it more often than not. And yeah, kind of a routine win, but it was a good night's work in in all honesty because. A few players got minutes into their legs that haven't played that much this season. Um, and some players got a rest, which we haven't had a chance because we seem like we had a decent squad, but at the moment it hasn't been used at all with the amount of injuries we've had. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, there's the first first goal in Milan colours for Divock Origi. I think that's his first goal. Yeah, right? I forgot yeah. Divock. I forgot Origi. I forgot he existed. 
he his output is honestly he does seem really to score good. when he plays. It just seems never plays. Like his yeah. hit rate is ridiculous. And a player that I think has surprised a few people, Milan fans weren't particularly happy with him when he first turned up, but this season he's doing really well. It's Brahim Diaz. What do you think has kind of caused this upturn in form for him? He's been unbelievable this season. I think the fact that they signed Charles de Catalé mm-hmm. um, for whatever money it is in his position, and then obviously he got dropped. He started off not bad. He got dropped for for de Catalé, mm-hmm. um, probably undeservedly, but just because he had a, a price tag on him, they had to try and force him force him in. Since he's got his chance, he's, he's been unbelievable. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that saying of competi- uh, competition breeds breeds kind of higher performances. Mm-hmm. That's the case. Because maybe yeah, last yeah. year there was no one else in that position, so you'd almost play by default. But now he knows that there's a young boy behind him. Um, he knows he's got to be on it, otherwise he'll be out of the team. And at the moment, he's he's proven why he should stay in the team. Mm. Yeah, he's been he's been unbelievable. And he, of course, scored that great goal against Juve the other week as well, which was like a really, really beautiful goal. Feels like he's been in some really good form. And of course, the fourth goal, it felt like a while since he scored, but Rafa Leal back on it. Good to see him scoring again. Um, is he your favourite Milan player at the moment? It feels like he's every Milan fan's favourite player. Um, he's up there, but I'd, I'd keep um, Hernandez and Donali in okay. front of him, in all honesty. He, he's the, he can make the biggest difference, but for me still, sometimes he looks like he's just not that bothered. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. If he, and he's got better with it, to be honest. He was more, he was more wild um, in the last year or two, but mm. now he seems a bit more serious in the sense of he's getting goals and assists and not just playing around dribbling. Um, yeah, so yeah. if he keep if he keeps that up, I, I think he can, or he is one of the the biggest talents in world football. But for reliability and consistency, Donali and Teo Hernandez are there for me. Mm-hmm. I do like Tonali. Teo's an interesting one because I understand that Milan fans absolutely love him, but Inter fans absolutely despise him. I feel like he's a player that if he plays against you, you hate him. If you play, if he plays for you, you love him, right? He's just that kind of guy. Yeah, he yeah, he's a, he looks like a wind up to be honest. He's always in yeah. someone's face. Uh, even four one up against Monza, I think him and Pessina were having it out. And Pessina right. was just looking at him. Like, what's, what's your problem? But um, have you seen the scoreboard? You're all right. Yeah, like, leave us alone. Right. Leave us alone. He was thinking. Yeah. Very nice. Good. So that was a good win for Milan, which keeps them in the conversation. So Milan are now up to second, only three points behind table leaders, who continued their unbeaten run. The only unbeaten team left in Serie A, as. Napoli keep rolling, beating Roma after a long, not particularly interesting game. Osimhen finally got to go, got the goal to secure the one 0 win. Andy, what did you make of this game? Mourinho, classic shutting down an exciting yeah, team. What I did think, you think? Well, like we've always had Mourinho football, it's always results driven as to how you judge mm-hmm. it. At the end, it's never going to be particularly aesthetically pleasing. You know what he's going to try and do. Um, and that's he's never really changed of having a primarily defensive and counter-attacking setup. Uh, but I think they didn't create enough clear opportunities to do what we needed to do. And I think 
he'll be disappointed, I think, with the um, how they left the back line left themselves exposed mm-hmm. on a couple of separate occasions. Um, and don't get me wrong, but I think Ozzy Hem's finish of a really, really tight angle was exceptional. But I think uh, Smalley could have done a bit better, had an opportunity, brief opportunity to control it. Um, mm-hmm. didn't um, and yep. let him in and I think once you let a fellow like Ossingham go um, in um, that's it and I think it's um, I think statistically it was his third goal in a row in, in a row since coming back from injury um, you know to have that depth you know whereas last season he was it was a case of Ossingham got injured or he had a loss of form there was, wasn't really much yeah. um, the way of backup where I think this season I think it's clearly shown that Raspadori etc uh character Vella, there's a lot more depth mm-hmm. um in the squad now um and that's why i mean that i think last season i don't think they would have necessarily got that kind of result in a very yeah. very tight game where it could go either way uh so yeah they they're grinding out you know the wins whether the hat's not playing at their best and that mm-hmm. anywhere is always a sign of a team that could potentially win a, win a championship yeah, I think it was a really impressive performance. I think Mourinho actually did a really good job in the first half, keeping Falatskelia completely quiet. Karlsdorp, who's a player who has his ups and downs. A little bit really ropey sometimes, isn't he? He <laughs> really kept Kvara very, very quiet in the first half. But um, Pierre, I'll go to you. What, did you. what do you think Roma are missing this season? It feels like they're not quite hitting the heights they hit last year. That's a good question. Um, I think some games this season, they, they've been okay. just haven't haven't finalised. I think if Tammy Abraham was on the form from last season, mm-hmm. this season, um, you would have seen them a few places higher. And considering if they won last night, they would have been two points off the top, three points off yeah. the top, something like that. So they're not too far away from it. But for me, the biggest difference at the moment is Tammy Abraham isn't firing. Yeah. Um, and last yeah. year he was. Uh, and he looks he looks real low on confidence, in all honesty. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there, so was, he, there was a moment after the game where... Sorry, there was a moment after the game where he was kind of looking at the Napoli team celebrating. I was like, oh, it looks like it's really getting to you. I saw that the Roma XG, they're seven goals under their XG. They're the, like, they've got the biggest deficit of any team in Serie A. And it feels like, yeah, they're really not taking their yeah. chances. But Napoli, literally the polar opposite, get one chance. Osman smashes it into the net. And as Andy touched on, all of a sudden, like they could have started Raspadori. They could have started um, Simeone. But they've gone with Osserman. If he can stay fit, how good can this guy be, Piero? Like, what do you think this guy's ceiling is? Because he excites me so much. Oh, he's an animal. He's a beast. Mm-hmm. Um, physically, obviously, we all know what he can do. But he looks hungry. He, yeah. he wants more. He's never satisfied. And to be honest, when he was injured and they were winning games, I thought, is he coming back going to cause a problem? Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't seem like at the moment. And yeah, the finish last night was exceptional. Just one thing on on Mourinho last night. It was obviously, like you say, Mourinho trying to shut down a team, which is all well and good. But once it goes one nil, it's kind of it's like he's he's only planned for a nil nil. Yeah, yeah. Because um, yeah, then yeah. when it went one nil, it was almost embarrassing. They mm-hmm. they weren't even looking to play. They were just booting it without looking. It was just. And I understand sometimes you want to shut teams down, but in this in modern football, to not have an approach to try and win a game, I don't think it's possible to kind of win more often than not. 
Yeah, it's kind of an interesting one. I think when you start in reverse gear to then try and go to third gear must be yeah, bloody difficult, yeah. right? Like, and you could see they all just went, oh, right, now what? Like, and it was just complete panic. Napoli had the game tied up from that point. Mm-hmm. Um, but tactically, again, I, I want to, because he's, he's a manager that I've had my doubts about in the past, but Spalletti <laughs> is absolutely coaching the hell out of this team. Do you think he can coach them all the way? Like, I would love to see him lift a Scudetto, but do you think... He, because I know in Italy he's very well respected. Like, what do you make of him as a coach? I think he's outstanding. Some of the the work he's done in previous clubs has gone under the radar, in all honesty. Mm-hmm. Um, and just to point out, he he started Inter's return mm-hmm. to the top. Yeah, that's fair. he got them into the Champions League after years of of rubbish, mm-hmm. and then obviously Conte came in and then carried it on from there. But he was the one that probably closed the biggest gap from them being nowhere to getting into the Champions League. Mm -hmm. Um, I think he can coach them to the league. I do believe that. The only thing with Napoli is controlling the environment. Yeah, (laughs) there's a lot of pressure, right? Um, And that's what done them last year. Three or Mm -hmm. four games where they should have won, the pressure was huge when Milan and Inter slipped up and they just couldn't handle it because that place is different when it comes to pressure. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's like a nation, isn't it? It's like a nation waiting for you to lift that trophy. There's a lot, a lot of pressure there. And I kind of, it, I was reminded this weekend, I completely forgot, Spalletti was also the one who kind of coached Mo Salah into the player that he currently is at Roma. Like, he was kind of lost between Chelsea and Fiorentina. He did pretty well at Fiorentina. But I feel like Spalletti was really the coach that brought the best out of him. And he's now got players like Zaniolo, again, if he can stay, uh, no, sorry, he's got players like um, Lozano, who he's starting to get a tune out of as well, a player who's been very up and down. Feels yeah. like, yeah, maybe he, the like Anguisa, maybe he is very good at getting the best out of players or kind of making them realize their potential. Well, we've mentioned Anguisa before, isn't he? Because he never really saw the best of him in the Premier League, I think it's mm-hmm. fair to say. But, you know, we've, he's been encouraged to get forward a little bit more than yeah. he perhaps did, especially when he was playing for Fulham, etc. And yeah, you see, even in Dombele as well. Yeah, <laughs> like that guy. <laughs> It looked completely lost at Spurs, and he really is putting in a hell of a shift at Napoli, playing that, covering for Anguissa really, really well. I think Spalletti is doing an incredible job. It wasn't the game we hoped. I thought it would be a little bit more entertaining than it was, but Napoli fans will not care in the slightest. That is a huge, huge win for them. Their first win in Rome for a very long time. Um but moving on, we need to go to Piero's favourite game of the week, despite it being for a win for his bitter rivals. Inter getting a last-minute 4-3, last-second 4-3 win against Fiorentina. Um, Piero, I'm going to start with you, then we'll go to you, Andy. What do we make of Inter this year? It seems like they're actually in form now, even if they are leaking goals a little bit. Yeah, so just before we jumped on, I checked. Um, obviously, they had, that, they had a rough patch. Um, and it kind of hit its peak with uh, losing twice against Udinese and then Roma mm-hmm. straight after. But since then, um, and I've seen a few a few of their matches, they've been brilliant, in all honesty. Mm-hmm. The two results against Barcelona, uh, I think they beat Sassuolo as well. Um, something Something's changed. And I did notice they're playing Hakan Chalanoglu now in front of the defence. Mm-hmm. Um, and that seems like it's working at the moment. That seems like the biggest difference, um, obviously, because he's normally playing behind the striker. 
Yeah. But he's been put in front of the fence kind of to t- dictate play and it seems like that's working. And obviously a free game like, like um, when was it, Saturday night? Yes. Yeah. They, yeah, um, yeah. That that could go either way when stuff like that starts happening. It's just a matter of, like I say, Mkhitaryan mm-hmm. scored or a ricochet. So... Um, <laughs> I felt so yeah, bad for the defender. I felt really bad for the defender. I know. Really it's, just, yeah. it's just, that's just a classic case of just not looking, though. <laughs> like, all he had to do was just take a little glance to his left and see him coming along. And he could have maybe, either, could have potentially like even tried to take a touch of a ball, then clear it. It's yeah, just yeah. out of all the things he could do, it, that wasn't it. <laughs> it was, um, yeah, he'll feel like a bit of a donut going into training this morning, but it's football, it's isn't crazy. it? It's what happens. Your emotions equalise in the 90th minute. Oh, you must, yeah. And you go and lose as well. You think yeah, it does feel like point. it's not meant to be at that point, right? You're like, okay, it just wasn't meant. There was someone <laughs> had decided this already. Like, this was decided. But for Fiorentina, a really encouraging performance. A team that's kind of, was struggling to score goals. I think definitely struggling to keep up with the Thursday night, Sunday, Thursday night, Sunday kind of pattern. It's the first time they've done this. Um, but for Vincenzo Italiano, very exciting coach. Um, Fiorentino will be okay, right? They'll still be. Do you reckon they can get Europe again this year? I, I think I think they're doing. I don't think he's doing too much of a bad job, to be honest. They've got mm-hmm. some decent players, and on their day, they've they've caused a few problems. Again, I just think they're lacking, they're lacking goals. I know the other day they managed to get three, but they signed, um, is it Jokic? Jovic? Jovic, yeah. yeah and yeah. it just hasn't worked for him at all. Um, and so, like you say, you can have all the nice build-up play, but you need someone to put it in at, um, at the I other mean, end, still, otherwise it, it doesn't work. There's still two-thirds yeah. of the season to go, though, that's the thing. It's yeah. just, um, I think the World Cup break will be... Um, be interesting to see how what state teams are, are at when they come back from it. Mm. I think for them, replacing Vlavic was always going to be nigh on impossible anyway. <laughs> like yeah. it was going to be a tough job. But I think, yeah, Jovic is a weird one. He kind of he manages to fit certain places, but then doesn't elsewhere. I think obviously he scored at the weekend, right? I think he got he got the equalizer, right? Um, yeah. But yeah, it's not been a happy time for him. But strikers that are having a happy time, Lautaro Martinez, again a player who fans were starting to doubt went on a bit of a drought. That first goal was absolutely beautiful. He seems like a striker and really in form at the moment. Um, like what, what do you make of him, Andy? Would you like to see him in the Prem? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, especially my own team of support will probably be in the market for a striker sub description. And I think, um, yeah, I think there's plenty of admiring glances for him. Um, like likewise, with a lot of players, they, did, they go for a few games where I think he had to adjust without, you know, Lukaku last year's being the main mm. man, and then he's come back this year, but Lukaku's been injured straight away. So I think he's had to adapt to a role as like the lone strike, which he's not really used to. Um, yeah, yeah. And I think he's what you're seeing is this season earlier on is a few teething problems with mm-hmm. it. And whereas now I think he's got used to his role. He knows what he's doing within the team and you started to get a bit more productivity out of him. Yeah. Um, he's a really, he's a really exciting player and he's, he's kind of a player. I forget plays for Argentina and makes them even scarier for the yeah. world cup. But what do you think of him, Piero? Do you think he's like, it's good to see him back in form, right? Yeah. yeah. I think like, like Andy said, um, Lukaku getting injured probably didn't help him. 
because he, he probably had the best partnership and they probably suit each other more than any others of the the kind of interplayers up front. Um, but yeah, he's he's a good, he's a very good player. Mm-hmm. Um, works very very hard as well. He's like a ball to be honest, like short, stocky, yeah, um, yeah. very hard to get the ball off him. And on his day, he he knows how to finish. So I think um, he's he's good. I, I I can see him ending at Barcelona at some point. It, he does have Barcelona written all over him, doesn't he? It's weird. I do kind of get that vibe off him. Yeah. If they still exist. If they still exist. They'll have yeah. to pull a few more levers where they can yeah. find him. To, to I love how him. they just invented rather than we're broke and we need a loan. No, 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 no. They're called just economic levers. It's just economic levers. Have you not heard of him before? No, they've, they've always been here. They've always yeah. been here. Just, uh, I'm just like, I'm pretty sure we didn't call it that. <laughs> we don't call it that. They need, they need yeah. a few more remortgages. And then yeah. Get yeah. yeah. Oh god! Absolute basket case of a club. But moving on in Serie A, there's one more game we need to talk about. A game I really enjoyed. Now it's a team that I often overlook because, well, it's Lazio, but they are playing very, very well. Sorry, Ball. It looks like is arriving to Lazio. Give him time. Give him the players he wants, and he will bring you an exciting effective brand of football that is a joy to watch. What do you think of Lazio this year? This is a huge win for them against Lazio, uh, against Atlanta. I'm going to start with you, Piero, then I'll go to Andy. Yeah, I, I am. I'm a big fan of Sarri, in all honesty. Mm-hmm. You give him time, he he gets his, his way of football across to his players. Um, and he's proven that time after time. Um, for his, his story, his journey... He's a, a man with um, big things below, in all honesty. Um, leaving a banking job at 40 to start a journey in in football management and then being able to get to the top, that's that's that's, that's unbelievable. It's insanity, right? It's insanity. Um, and sometimes yeah. people forget about that. Um, mm-hmm. But the way he plays, he likes to play football quick, kind of short passes, lots of movement. Um, and... The best Napoli team I've ever seen. He was a manager at, so he he knows what he's doing, and you just got to give him time. He's a bit of a kind of weird character sometimes, but you just have to kind of manage that. But on the football pitch and coaching wise, I don't think there's much you can say about him in a negative manner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he kind of he he picked some. He made some poor choices in jobs. I think Chelsea were never going to give him the time. Juventus were never going to give him the time. But I think at Lazio, he's got a, a, a club that are going to give him as much time as he needs, as long yeah. as there's progress. They're going to be patient with him. And he's getting some performances out of players like Zaccagni from Verona has been incredible this year for Lazio. Mm-hmm. He was alone at Verona last year. Um, he got another goal uh, this weekend. Um, players like Pedro, I think once he left Roma, people expected him to kind of, like Roma fans were making jokes about, you know, our taking our spare change. And he's just been unreal. He was again, he was again against Atlanta. And Felipe Anderson returning from West Ham, again, a player who looked a little bit lost. West Ham fans weren't particularly sad to see him leave. Um, but he's now, he scored again at the weekend, unbelievable under Lats, uh, under Sadi and Lazio looking very good. What do you make of them, Andy? Do you think we should be talking about them in the title conversation? I don't, probably, it's probably a little bit too soon for a title conversation I think um, you know they have had some favourable position I mean they've played Spezia Cremonese mm-hmm. Verona um, you know they've, they've probably on on the whole beaten teams that they should be beaten but granted yeah. that you know 
going to Atalanta away and getting that result. That is a statement result from them because it's ultimately how it's because it's been a little bit like Roma over the years where whenever they come up against their peers or against team that they aspire to be the level of, they've often fell short. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Sarri's always um, felt underappreciated. I think, you know, he won the Europa League um, at Chelsea and yeah. the, the, the you're welcome, Sally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the the Chelsea fans couldn't have been more ungrateful if they tried. Um, it, it was just it was very odd, and it's the same with Juventus as well. He won the league yeah. title, um, yeah, yeah. and yeah, I mean, it, it hasn't exactly gone well since um, he's left, does it? Um, it's just sometimes I think it's one of those people where his face doesn't fit or. Mm-hmm. He doesn't feel like the right kind of face for like a commercially sensitive club because yeah, yeah. you know Juve are very very conscious about their image and how they appear to others. Chelsea are another one, and maybe he's never been that kind of guy that appeals. Um, yeah, and yeah. you're right, he is also somebody where if you really really want to get full Sarri board uh, flowing, then you need to give him a couple of the seasons. And unfortunately, yeah, yeah. at you know, Chelsea and um, Lazio, even though they were, he won trophies with them, there's a lot more that goes into it than just winning trophies with those kind of clubs. Yeah, um, yeah. so I think um, I think at, at a good underdog like, you know, Lazio where he is now and Napoli where he was at the past, I think he suits those kind of clubs quite well. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's a good enough calibre of players for him to get his ideas across to, but perhaps he's not dealing with the absolute mega superstars, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. which you know it's caused problems in the past. Yeah, and I think I think you're absolutely spot on. And Lazio have done really well to hold on to a lot of these players. Like Milinkovic Savic is still there. He's been linked away every single summer. It seems like he's going to leave, and he's still there. And it feels like he's really bought into this Saudi system. And he reminded me of that kind of. I, I was trying to think of what Napoli midfielder was his equivalent, like playing the Milinkovic-Savic role. I don't know if you have any clues for me, Pierre. I couldn't really put it. I know it's not quite Allen because he's more attacking than Allen. And I thought, which which midfielder do you think he plays the Napoli role of Milinkovic-Savic? It's quite a difficult question, so, maybe. Who was it? Allen, Hamsik. And then he had... Alan Hamsik, and I'm going to have to Google the team. I keep, bloody Levetti keeps coming in my mind. It's definitely not Levetti. Years, years ago, yeah. yeah. Can't think who it was, but the role that Milinkovic Savic is playing is unbelievable considering that he has been linked to move away every single time and he is still a key part of that team. Um, so Sally absolutely killing it in Rome. They are now only four points off the top. I need to double check that. Yeah. Um, five points off top. Four wins in their last five with a draw. Lazio are cooking. It's it's an exciting title race in Serie A this year. Really exciting. Um, Piero, as soon as it's your first uh, time on the show this season, how do you see the title race going? I'm going to get a bold prediction. It's really tight this year. I think, I think Napoli and Milan will be in it till the end. Um, okay, but I can see, I can see a few more catching up. Because uh, it was very close to happening this weekend. If mm-hmm. Lazio won, but if Roman would have won, the top five would have been split by what two points? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I can see that happening pretty soon. And obviously, and that's without Inter and Juve mm-hmm. kind of going on a run and, and and catching some points up. But at the moment, Napoli's a team to stop. 
Well, oh, uh, regular listeners and viewers will know we are fully, despite the Roma shirt hanging in the background, we are fully on the Napoli wagon this season. I need to see them lift a Scudetto. But we are going to go. It's now Premier League time. And it was a pretty exciting um, pretty exciting weekend. Some good games. I think we're going to start with... Andy, I'm going to let you choose. Which game do you want to start with? Oh, let's... Uh... Let's start with Aston Villa. Let's give them a little oh, bit. Let's give them a bit of credit. Start <laughs> with Aston Villa. And it's a good evening. Sorry for the obvious joke for Aston Villa, as they have just appointed Unai Emery as manager. We'll get on to what we think about that. But this game, Andy, Let's talk go. us through it. The the shackles are off. What happened? Yeah, I don't know. They just, I think, well, Gerald, that's, Gerald got sat, so that's what happened. <laughs> um <laughs> I mean, we spoke about it earlier this season, didn't we? I think we, we said before that his relationship with the players didn't seem to be particularly good. Um, I know from you know knowing a couple of Aston Villa fans and seeing reactions online, it's always, it always felt like Gerard didn't quite bond with the Aston Villa fans particularly well. Um, I don't think he ever quite understood. He never got a best 11. He couldn't get the most out of his own marquee buying Coutinho there was you know if Michael Beale be the tactics guy I think Gerald got quite it's been quite exposed over the past year I mean if this was his audition to get the Liverpool job it's absolutely failed miserably um it's not gone well at all for him I'm not 100% sure where Gerard goes next. I mean, he'll get a job because let's be honest, he's Stephen Gerard, so yeah. he will get a job somewhere because that's how football works. And I suppose he has also won a league title at Rangers. So he's not, I don't think he's completely useless. I think yeah. he just made a bit of a hash of that job. But um I think this game was a combination. I think Brentford, um, what you're seeing now with a few teams is the games catching up with them. Yeah. Um, you know, when you when you're playing like six, seven games, when there's still what another four or five left for each team before the World Cup takes place mm-hmm. over the next like two or three weeks, um, is that uh, you know, Brentford don't have a deep squad. So when you get a few key players of their lineup not you know quite performing, I think in Bremo missed like a four-yard sitter, Ivan Tony wasn't quite as good as he has been. And although in like you know midfield they're usually quite competitive and quite solid, um, you know, they're all over the place. Um, whereas um, you know, Villa put a great performance with Leon Bailey. I've always been quite excited by him because he did you know bits at Leverkusen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I felt like he was always in and out the starting lineup, and I think he's just one of those players that needs to run the games, and hopefully he'll get that now. And Danny Yings, he comes under you know, the category of a few players where it was one of those what ifs if he was injury yeah. free, um, because he is a really, really good finisher and mm-hmm. a very clever footballer. Like the way, he, especially for his first goal, he does that a lot where. He's timing to run across the defender and first time finish. He's always something he's been really good at. You know, he's going back to when he was um at Southampton. Um yeah. and even at Liverpool, you know, in his brief games that he had there. And I think he, you know, I think it's open season for a striker to get on that's not Harry Kane <laughs> to get on the plane yeah. at the moment to, to yeah. sit on England's bench and not play. But <laughs> there is, a, there is... a nice holiday. You can have a yeah, nice exactly. holiday, right? Uh well, we call that a nice holiday to be fair, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, you know, he's playing for I think whichever English strikers in form that's not Harry yeah. Kane will probably have a really good chance to go to the World Cup. Um and I think he, you know. 
I think he's put himself in with a good chance because he has, I think he has still scored a few goals this season um, mm-hmm. in a, you know, a very in a struggling side. Uh, the one that made me laugh though was the goal for Ollie Watkins. It was so Sunday league and I was, I was laughing. I mean, it was just absolute clown shoe defending where he's coming <laughs> off a post, he's bounced off the keeper, bounced off the defender. I mean, he had three goes at it and there was like two or three chances to clear it. The goalkeeper couldn't get off of his feet. Um, and yeah, it's it was frankly hilarious, but um... just one of those one of those days for Brentford, I think. But Piero, I was going to ask you, how much? Now like, you've played for a few different clubs, right? Now you don't have to name any names, but has there ever been a manager where, when they've left, you've notably seen a kind of massive increase in morale and performance? Because this seems like the two things have to be linked. Like, what could Gerard have been telling him to do for it to make that big a difference? Yeah, no, I've seen it a few times, and I think it's when it when the place just gets so toxic, it's hard for everyone um, mm. because all of a sudden you're playing a match and they want the manager to be sat, let's say. So any little mistake is a moan, and obviously mm. when there's fifty thousand people, it's quite a loud moan. Um, <laughs> it starts to affect the players; and they just almost freeze a bit. Um, so I think it's more of a case of. When the manager goes, it's like someone's just giving you a clean slate uh, and the fans are kind of almost on your side again. Mm -hmm. It's a a weird one. So some players just become a little bit, take the shackles off and become a bit more free. Um, But like I say, it's more just the the toxic atmosphere that's created when it's obvious that fans have had enough. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's why when that happens, it's only a matter of time before the manager goes because even if he wins a game... All it takes is to lose another one. Yeah. And for him to kind of turn that around, you literally need like an eight-game winning streak for everyone to forget what's happened. That's why yeah, yeah, yeah. once the fans turn, it's almost impossible to turn it around. Wow. And, well, speaking of which, they've now got their new manager. And what do you think? I'll, I'll go to you, Andy. But first, um, Piero, what do you think of Unai Emery landing in, Aston, in um, the Midlands? I think it's a very sensible appointment. I think it's kind of the best manager they could have hoped to get really like at the highest caliber maybe of manager someone very sensible is gonna be cautious but he will get you results and hey they'll win a Europa League like that's what happens with Unai Emery unless you're Arsenal right so congratulations Aston Villa on your <laughs> Europa League title uh what do you think Piero yeah like you said he's the Europa League master um but yeah I think he's a good manager I think he didn't do too bad at Arsenal either um showed yeah. some good signs when he was there um but sometimes the case of, like Man United for a few years, the fans can't readjust their expectations. Yeah. So yeah. they were expecting him to be Arsene Wenger, like they expected managers to be Alex Ferguson. Yeah, um, yeah. So he's kind of fighting a losing battle. But if you actually looked into it, I didn't think he did too bad. And mm. again, given more time, he might yeah. have turned out to, to kind of sp- spin it around for Arsenal. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he's gone to Villarreal and done very well. Um, got them into the latter stages of of the European competitions. So, yeah, he's not a bad appointment at all. Yeah. Yeah, what, what do you think, Andy? Excited to see him back in England? I yeah. quite like him. I got bored I, of I, him a I bit. Think, but I think he got a bit of a rough time when he was in England. I think the, um, I think the English media, I think, got to the point of almost being xenophobic. If I was it it was. I apologise like, for the joke below, but yeah. But <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, there was... Um, there was 
yeah, I think there was a point. There's obviously making a joke about someone's accent, but I think with him, it got a little bit out of mm-hmm. hand. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, obviously English is not his first language. You do mm. get managers who do struggle, but I think the the thing with um, Emery is that number one, he always tried. He always spoke in English, even yeah. he struggled with it. Whereas people like you know Bielsa never even really yeah, attempted yeah. to. Um, yeah. I think ultimately he's on the football side of things, his win percentage was very, very similar to that of Arsene Wenger. Um, But I think, unfortunately, at that particular time, I think Arsenal had a crop, um, they had that crop of really quite volatile individuals within that It was team. an awful change of room. Uh, it was an awful was change, it, change yeah. of room. You know, you had Aubameyang, you had Ozil, you had... Um, Ozil, Gwendouzi, Gwendouzi uh, yeah. David Luiz. <laughs> there was a lot of players in there. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, there was a lot yeah. There was a lot of players that, um, you know, you, you you look at that, um, you look at, you know, which ones are still left at the club. Yeah. <laughs> it gives yeah, you a pretty yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I think in Arteta's achieved, I think uh, Emery could have achieved that for a bit more time, but I think he's yeah, also yeah. fortunate to be that guy that came after um, that guy that came after um, Arsene Wenger. No, I think I think he also suffered a bit from the style of football. I think it was overly cautious, and at times it was just a bit like you need to need to attack at some point. But I think he was unfortunate. He was judged very very harshly, and as you said, the dressing room was an absolute. It was a toxic waste bin of a changing room, and you're right. A lot of those players have now been moved on. So I think it's. Um, it's good to see him back in the Premier League. Really good to see him back in the Premier League. Good luck, Unai. Villa back smashing it. And we are being absolutely spammed <laughs> on the chat. I've only just seen that. But someone, um, thank you, but no thank you. I don't know what's going on there. Yeah, um, we've got Sex Chat 69. Uh, I think they've come into the wrong kind of podcast. Um, <laughs> it's, certainly the, the it's, certainly, it's certainly the wrong kind of tube. <laughs> <laughs> but moving on um, from the excitement of Aston Villa, we're going to go to um, drawing forever, just forever drawing. Should we just cancel all Chelsea and United games in the future? Yes. They are a, com- <laughs> a complete waste of time. And I completely wasted my Sunday afternoon, Saturday afternoon. I can't remember what day it was. Time. Time disappeared into that game. Um, Andy, I'll get your view of it first. What do you think of it as United fan? Quite exciting at the end. Yeah, I think we, I think we, I think during the first half, I think we were by far the better team. Uh, we controlled possession, like we felt like we were playing the home team. And Stamford Bridge is, I know it sounds such a cliche, but it's always, especially for United, it's always been a very difficult place to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't often get a result there. And I think the stats at the start of the game prove that we're out of like the past like 20 attempts or something like that. They've won twice. Um, yeah. and it's the most drawn fixture in the Premier League. So it was, um, you know, it's always a tough ask to go to a team that started to pick up some form. But I think we played really well. Uh, I think Anthony was causing all sorts of havoc um, down there. I think um, he's he's been a great addition. I think Casemiro, Eriksen, Fernandez. That is the best month midfield free. I've mm-hmm. seen United. I've seen United rock up with for a very, very long time. Uh, I think it's been quite a few years since it's been that balance in midfield, which I think Casemiro especially adds. Um, yeah. I think Casemiro had a really good game. Um, I think it was interesting um, 
obviously with Graham Potter, he took off Cucurella after half an hour. I mean, mm-hmm. you don't see many, many, many managers do it, really, do you? Like typically speaking, you most managers will wait to half time or give it the old five or ten minutes afterwards, yeah, yeah, and yeah. then make a change because I think it's almost like a an unwritten rule that you don't sub off a player in the first half unless they. This is like something we might, I think it's something we might see from kind of modern managers more is when you see a clear error in your tactical approach, why not fix it there and then? Like, what yeah. do you think, Piero? Do you think this was Kukurea personally or was this a tactical switch? Do you think we'll see it more often now? Because obviously there is a huge stigma of like he got hooked after half an hour. Like, Yeah, I think um, most of the time now is it just highlights a manager's error. Mm-hmm. Maybe the way they prepared the game, it, it didn't go. It hasn't gone the way they thought it would during the week. Um, so they obviously set up with the wrong formation, let's say. Um, unless you're having an absolute nightmare where you're just giving the ball away every two seconds and it's that obvious, um, normally it's just a tactical decision. And most of these managers now, someone like Potter, who's quite flexible in his, his approach, will kind of just... Take the take the hit on that and just say to him, apologies. Um, nothing on you. It's all my mistake. Um, but I needed to change the shape to give us the best chance to kind of to deal with his team. Mm, I think it was really interesting to see from Potter, and I think Chelsea it did massively make them more secure in the game. I think it made them kind of because Man United, I think, were definitely the better team in the first half. Um, but I. Oh, Chelsea, and now I'm going to say this with a massive grin on my face because Chelsea fans, you're finding out why we wanted to get rid of him. Are Chelsea still looking for a number nine? Because Aubameyang was absolutely anonymous again. Um, Piero, I'm going to go to you first. Was it, a, was it a terrible signing? I know that's a loaded question, but what did you make of the Aubameyang signing? I wasn't too sure, to be honest, especially it was quite public um, what happened with Arsenal. Mm-hmm. And... For you to go sign someone like that, I just don't think it's worth the hassle. Um, he's not hes not young. He's, he's not really too bothered about where his career ends up, I don't think. Mm-hmm. He's on an obscene amount of money. So what's his motivation? Like, that's, yeah. that's what I question. What's, when it gets tough, what's going to make him kind of dig deep and go again? I don't think there'll be much because he doesn't need much. No. But if he was a younger player, let's say, with his career on the line they'll find a way to kind of get back into that team. Or for me, it just seems kind of happy-go-larry. If it goes his way, it goes as well. If not, he'll just get the gold Lambo and, and kind of just enjoy life, um, which yeah. is fair enough. But for, for a team like Chelsea, I thought they'd be a bit more cuter with a signing like that. Yeah, I think I he really, was favourite to stop gap though, wasn't he? I, I think Team of Werner wasn't working. I don't think they had enough in the budget to get a proper pedigree striker in so i think it was just a case top, uh stop cap though it is an and I, I, it is but that's it what is. chelsea do don't they, yeah. <laughs> they i mean I united have they... done it for years as well i remember getting like Falcao, i would have rather cavani on a free I think that's a massive shout. I think that's a, but I also think they've got Brozier on the bench. They've got Brozier, yeah. a, a striker who was good for Southampton last year. He kind of personifies like anger, aggression, yeah. hunger, like running just, and he's a great, like an exciting striker. I really hope and kind of, I really hope that Chelsea give him a chance. Cause I think what I saw in that over form over performance was what I saw for the last six months at Arsenal, which was just, unless the ball is physically on his foot, he's not running for it. 
And even then, he's probably going to put it wide and he's not going to be bothered afterwards. It just, it was everything I saw from Aubameyang. And the first couple of games, I was like, oh, he's getting some goals. Oh, he's going to make us look stupid, isn't he? He's going to make us look stupid. He's still going to score against us. Don't get me wrong. He's definitely going to score against us. But that was the performance that I'm used to seeing from Aubameyang. I think Chelsea have made a really, really expensive, really expensive mistake there. But again, not the first one Chelsea have made when it comes to number nines. Um, moving on from the Chelsea United game, because I think that was it, right? A nice moment at the end, uh, Lissandro Martinez celebrating with the United fan. Mm. Yeah. You've seen that on Twitter, Andy? Oh, that. yeah. The guy the guy who actually was in the crowd sort of put a tweet about me. He's going to remember that moment for the rest of his life. But I think that is part of why Masters has become a fan favorite so quickly mm-hmm. i think um you know as well as like you know it kind of it feels like he's a fan on the football pitch almost like i yeah, think he yeah, just yeah. you know again to use the old cliche if he gets it i think the fact he started off really well on the pitch has been quite good yeah. um i think as well i think i think the donut award has got to go to Scott McTominay. I think you can't. I mean, on the one hand, it's a crystal clear penalty. You you, you can't just grab somebody's shirt, pull somebody down. And My not theory of it. him still actually being a professional wrestler lives on. I don't <laughs> think he's a footballer. He's just found himself like, on a football. But it's one of those. I was thinking about it as well because I was almost. Yeah, you know, when I looked at it initially, I was thinking, well, okay, fine. If the referee gives that as a penalty, you can't have any complaints. But how many times when you, you know when you see like a team take a set piece or especially a corner, how many times do you see players grabbing onto each other's shirts and stuff like that? If you gave a penalty every single time that happens, you'd end up with about four or five a game. I mean, maybe that's what it will take for it to well, start. I, I think but, we're heading that way, I'll be honest. Yeah, I think we're heading that it way. Feels, it feels like, well, okay, we caught the more end of it. And I think he also has developed a bit of a reputation for doing that kind of stuff. But I think, I, I, I don't know, what did you make it? I thought it was a pretty stonewall penalty. Oh, it was what a stonewall penalty. Think, I'm just yeah, saying, what did because then the next day, Arsenal got fuck all for the same thing. What did you make of the incident, Piero? Yeah, I think um, it, it's a penalty. I think once you see two uh, two arms around the player, yeah, it's hard to hard to deny it really. But the the thing is with this VAR stuff, it it's just like you said. The next day, something very similar is not given as a penalty. Yeah, and as a still bitter from the Milan Chelsea game, Tomori. <laughs> <laughs> he yeah. got sent off for it, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. And, and he got sent off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. that's the thing that just doesn't make sense. Um, so yeah, when somebody just grabs someone, both hands, it's it's, it's fairly mm-hmm. obvious a penalty. But you just like the consistency throughout, because at the moment, every day, there's a different judgment on on similar similar situations. Yeah, it is. It is infuriating. I was fuming on Sunday when we didn't get that penalty. I was absolutely fuming. Like but we're going to move Milan against on. Chelsea. Yeah. Oh, mate. I was angry for Milan fans, I swear. <laughs> I was like absolutely fuming. But we're going to move on to, as the meme that goes around, as the great Gandhi once said, never back the early kickoff. Nottingham Forest beat Liverpool 1-0. How the hell did this happen? What is happening with Liverpool this season? Piero, I'm going to start with you. What is happening with Liverpool and how did Forrest pull this off? Liverpool just seem like they just need a, a reset almost. Um, and that's going to be Klopp's challenge, I think. Guardiola's done it pretty well every few years, kind of reshuffling the squad and fresh faces, new motivations. 
he's still got a lot of the old guard who are kind of full up, let's say. They've, they've won everything. Um, and sometimes, subconsciously, more than anything, it makes a bit of a difference. They're not, they're not meaning to, like, let's say, try less or run less. But when there's someone else that maybe hasn't won as much as you, they're willing to run harder. It's, it's, a, mm-hmm. it's a different thing. They're not going to do it on purpose, but sometimes they don't even realise they're doing it, but they're just a little bit off what maybe they were three, four years ago when they hadn't won anything. Um, and yeah, they, they probably deserve to beat Nottingham Forest, and honestly, they had enough chances. Um, but the way football goes, unfortunately, um, doesn't go your way. Dean Henderson pulled off unbelievable save of Van Dyke at the end. That was madness, that yeah. save. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So, yeah, you know, when it rains, it pours. So that's kind of the thing. But they, they do look a little bit off it. And I've always said, if I compare Man City and Liverpool, Man City don't have to be at their best mm-hmm. to wipe you away 3-0. Liverpool, for me, always have to be at 100 miles an hour, huge intensity. And it looks like maybe they can't do that every game anymore. Um, and they're a completely different team when they're, they're nowhere near that intensity. Mm-hmm. I think it's yeah, I think you're absolutely right. But we have to give Nottingham Forest a bit of credit. I think Steve Cooper has switched it up a bit and has made them much harder to beat, and they are conceding less goals. So they've now only conceded one goal in the last four games. That's definitely showing an upturn, considering they got spanked 4-0 by Leicester, lost 3-2 to Fulham. He's definitely tightened it up. Andy, I'm going to go to you. Have you been impressed by this kind of turnaround by Forrest? Do you think we're seeing a bit of life, these signings coming into effect? Yeah, I think uh, what we've seen over the first 10 games is exactly what happens when you try and integrate 20 <laughs> of bloody signings yeah. um, into yeah. into, a, into a team and the amount of disruption that would have caused. And when you've got games for three or four days, you don't have that much time on the training ground mm-hmm. to rework really with it and try out your best 11. Um, and I think Nottingham Forest, um, I think they've, the owner has shown a massive leap of faith in the man in the manager. I think he's mm-hmm. looked at what's happened over the summer and gone. The recruitment was the issue. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure he was in the building <laughs> when they were making. He all would have had to signings. sign something. He, he signed <laughs> like, something. Yeah. yeah, you know, surely when you got to like you know your tenth or your eleventh player, you sat there as the owner thinking, "Hold on a minute, what, <laughs> where were they going to go?" Um, but <laughs> he, he's an eccentric bloke by all accounts, so yeah. um, it's probably not a, not a surprise. But uh, Steve Cooper is a very very good manager. Mm-hmm. Like, don't speak to anybody who's associated with Swansea. They've got a lot of good things to yeah. say about him. Um, Forest fans love him. Um, and I think maybe there's this feeling that, you know what, let's just keep him in there. Yeah, um, yeah. And he'll, I think he's slowly started to find a best 11. Um, yeah. I think, you know, it's not his fault that Morgan Gibbs White costs 40 million quid, but he can certainly get him playing at a passable level. Um, again, I, I, I just don't know how much he, how he costs that money. I think with Lingard as well, again, he's not somebody I would have said would have been fantastic in a relegation battle. He didn't really mm-hmm. strike me as that kind of character, but to be fair, like he got stuck in there. And, there. and I think, you know, with Liverpool as well, I think, the difference as well between um, you know what Piero said, obviously about Manchester City not having to be at hundred percent, I think is also worth me- remembering the options that City have got on the bench in terms of personnel yeah, yeah, yeah. to go and 
you know, make a change. Uh, if you yeah. look at the bench that um, Liverpool had against Forest, they had, you know, um, Alex Chamberlain, who's barely played because of injury, yeah. you know, Bobby Clark, Stephen Bajitic, you know, Nat Phillips, um, you know, are coming back from injury, Trent Alexander-Arnold. They haven't really got a squad like game of, changer. Yeah. yeah, they haven't really yeah, got yeah. any game changer. I mean, Man City could have a £100 million Jack Grealish who's just, you know, not as good as Mickey Albuard sat on <laughs> sat on the bench, um, and that's that's the difference. And I think what Liverpool are finding is that when you play the same core group of players game in game out for year in year out, what you see now is almost a come down out of that. As yeah, Pierre said, yeah. they've won everything, they've done everything, and you know maybe subconsciously, and also they're getting older as well. Yeah, uh, maybe they don't have the fitness levels that they did a couple of years ago, and I think. Um, Letting Mane go during the yeah. summer, I think that was a bigger loss than they perhaps anticipated. I think they looked at the time and thought, "Oh, we've got Diogo Yota, you know, we've got Luis Luis Diaz, Diaz. Yeah, we'll yeah. be fine." Um, and that because of injuries, that that situation hasn't quite transpired. So, I think yeah, there was um, also so there was also a few players in that lineup where I was like, there was Sessignon, there was Harvey Elliott. There's a few players where I'm like. You're you're gonna be good players, but I think Piero kind of touched on it, and we we've talked about it before. That it is a transition thing, right? Do you think Liverpool are going to be patient with him? Like, I'm going to go like Piero. What do you think? Do you think Liverpool will be patient enough with Klopp? I feel like there's no way they're going to like sack him. Enough credit happens, in the right? bank, surely. Yeah, but you know, it's like a few bad results, and it can change pretty quickly. My biggest question on Klopp is now basically: Can he reinvent something? Mm-hmm. Because for me, Guardiola's the best manager in the world, right? Purely for consistency and longevity. Um, but to be fair to him, he evolves. He's yeah. not the same Pep Guardiola that come at Barcelona, tiki taka. Yeah, 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 yeah. And even at Man City, he's played a numerous amount of different styles. They obviously had to adjust with Aguero, and Aguero had to adjust to them. But then Aguero went, and they've done all last season playing without a striker. Mm-hmm. And now they're playing with a massive target man. <laughs> he's not. Yeah. He's, that, he's not the archetypal pet footballer at all, is he? No, but they have no, no. found a way to but make he, it work. He, yeah. he, he evolves and he changes every time because after a bit, teams will find you out. Mm-hmm. And he always found now he comes with like free when they get the ball free at the back. And and this is for me Pep Klopp's challenge. He can't play. He can't play the same way because they'll know how to stop it. And yeah. I'm interested to see if he can do it. Because if he can't, he'll end up being, let's say, like Mourinho, who just didn't evolve for some reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Guardiola yeah. stays up there, and, and that's another one ticked off. Yeah. Just purely <laughs> because they refuse to evolve. I don't understand why. You'd think, you mm. kind of look and see where the game's going. Okay, my 4-4-2 or my 4-4-1, everyone behind the ball, it will work up to a certain point, but then we need to offer something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's very, before maybe you'd nick results and you can still nick the odd result, but I'm sure it's, it rarely happens these days. The sit yeah. back and defend, more often than not now, the team that dominates, find a way because the quality is too good. Yeah, and yeah. You can't shut, like last night with Roma, they shut them down. But these, these players now, they're so good technically. You give them one chance, they'll take it, and the game's gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. And that's not even a chance, Aussie, man. That's not. That's no, it wasn't no. a clear cut chance at all. That's the level that they get one yeah. sniff, one sniff, and they'll take it, and then it's kind of like, um, well, what do we do now? Because yeah, we're losing. Yeah. And that's literally what it looked like Roma last night. I know yeah, we've gone yeah, back yeah. to that, but yeah. I was I was just plays blindly, just booting not not like a, a nice long ball, that's like a long pass. Just literally just without looking, booting it. And yeah, I was just yeah, thinking, yeah. what is going on here? Yeah. Well, it's it's gonna be a big job. It's gonna be a big job for Klopp. It's gonna be a big job. I hope they give him the time and I hope he gets the chance to bring these players in and like but there's plenty of managers. Arsene Wenger's demise was basically because he refused to evolve. He just stuck with the same thing. There's plenty of managers, great managers that haven't moved on. Ferguson was the master of it. And that's why he was so good for so long, just creating, recreating, recreating. Yeah. So it is a big, big test of Klopp. But just the little kind of um, extra kick in the zipper was the fact that our knee was in fact an ex-Liverpool player, never got to play for the team, and of course scores the winner just to rub salt in the wounds. But a massive win for Nottingham Forest. The atmosphere at that ground is absolutely incredible. I think there's mm. going to be a few more scalps at the city ground. Always good to have them in the Premier League. Glad they are back. We're going to quickly, before we go to a very, very quick Champions League preview, we've got to say... Miggy for the Ballon d'Or 2023, <laughs> absolutely killing it. The campaign starts here. Tottenham lose their first home game in, I think it was eight or ten games. Uh, it stretched back to last season. Um, huge performance from Newcastle. Andy, are they a problem? Are they, We're going to ignore everything else and just talk about the football. <laughs> yeah. Are they a problem? Yeah, we could do a whole other pod on their various other things. But now, if we're talking about the, the football side of things, um, absolutely, they, absolutely they are, I think. Uh, you know, And that's what ultimately they've paid um, the money for. They've made some really, really... I think on the one hand, they've made some really sensible signings like mm-hmm. Bruno Grimaris, like I mean, what a player. Um, very, very good player, you know, like secure Trippier as well. But I think Eddie Howe has done a good job of getting the most out of other pl- the pre-takeover players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Miggy Almond was one of them. I mean, I've, like I, said, I said last week on the pod, I was a big fan of him when he was at um, Atlanta United in the MLS. And I think he had something about him. And I think yeah, yeah. his goal scoring touch, especially playing under, you know, bloody Bruce Ball, uh, oh, <laughs> deserted him. But I think that's enough to make anybody depressed. But yeah. uh, no, I think he's got, I mean, Again, the goals he's scoring is a guy is a man of confidence. He's having his mm-hmm. own own goal of the month competition at the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, the, the it was very sort of Ivor Benes where he just took it past um, the defender and just slotted it in. Um, yeah. And also, you know, for another donut of the week award, uh, along with Scott McTominay, Hugo Lloris, man, like, what are you doing? <laughs> he just comes, he just comes out into no man's land, and, and then tries to play a foul where he clearly messed it up. Um, you know, Callum Wilson again, he's on that Danny Ings level of striker mm-hmm. that you know, if he stayed fit, would absolutely be going sitting on the bench yeah. from, for England during the summer. Uh, but no, I think I think they are serious. I think, I think the only caveat I'd perhaps say is that they they've still got to play some you know difficult sides. Mm-hmm. Um, I yeah. think you know they, they've played a lot of teams where you think, yeah, they should be getting a result, but against Tottenham, they were good. And I think there seems to be a few 
dissenting voices, I think, within the Tottenham ranks. Certainly, mm-hmm. they're looking at on, you know, looking at their own fans' reaction online. Um, I think they're not hard, they're not as confident as they were a year ago that the, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. the performances yeah. justify the means. Um, yeah. Yeah, sorry, I've just got a big smile on my face because it's just great to see them absolutely humbled. But and, and, and I was also, really... <laughs> yeah. oh, did you see I the was really happy comments? To see, sorry, well. sorry, Andy, go on. Sorry, did you see the Conte comments as well? Like typical oh, Conte no. when he's not happy, he's like, "Oh, I need uh, more time, money, and players." Right oh, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen this one before, Antonio. I've seen this one before. No, I'm just really happy that my Hugo Lloris agenda um, continues. Uh, he needs to be replaced. He drops too many clangers. He was great in his day. Get a new keeper, Spurs. Just get a new keeper. Um, but for Newcastle, on a similar vein, you said they've turned, like, Miguel Almiron becoming a great player. Joe Linton becoming an incredible box-to-box midfielder. Yeah. is yeah. not a, a, a timeline I saw coming. Um, but Piero, I'm going to ask you that. How much influence can a manager have on a player? Like, has a manager kind of with your game ever come in and just you've been like, wow, this has completely unlocked something that I didn't know I was unable to do? Or, like, has, has, have you ever seen that happen with a manager? Because it seems like he's really unlocked these players completely. Yeah, I think for me, it was a case of when a manager just kind of laid it out exactly what was expected from me. So I had a manager mm-hmm. once. I was playing on the wing, um, young, so I was working hard, kind of up and down, maybe not necessarily producing enough going forward. Um, and he just pulled me to one side and just literally said, you're almost being too honest, like tracking right. back too much and stuff like that. He goes, you're going to do that because you're an honest guy and an honest player. But as a winger, I need you to produce crosses and shots or shots. So my game just becomes so simple that as soon as I was out wide and I had the ball, I thought, well, I need to produce a shot or a cross. Right. And ended up being at that period in my in the league I was playing, which is known for, I used to deliver crosses. Because right. he just made it so simple that that's how I'm going to judge you. So in my head, I was like, why am I going to waste time, other stuff? That's my kind of KPI, let's say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Crosses. Me, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty simple. So, eh? It sounds pretty yeah. simple. Yeah, yeah. So at least you know with the objective when you go out. Where sometimes mm-hmm. you have managers come in and obviously say, talk a lot of like fluff, let's say, and then you kind of going out and you're almost thinking, what is a good game for me today? Mm-hmm. Like, is it is the what what I think of a good game? Is he going to think that's a good game, or are we on two different maps? Mm-hmm. And that becomes a problem because you might think you're playing well, but he wants something else. Or maybe he thinks you're playing well and you're thinking, I'm way off it. Mm-hmm. So that when a manager lies and just says, this is what I kind of expect from you, it's, it's more tunnel vision. You know what you need to go to deliver, if that makes nice. sense. Yeah, yeah, no, completely, completely. I think he's like Eddie Howe is a coach that people have been excited about for a very long time. It was a really a very sensible appointment from Newcastle. I think this whole thing they're trying to do relatively sensibly. Um, What do you think it is that Eddie Howe has changed so much at Newcastle? Obviously the mood has been lifted, but what do you think like playing style wise, he's changed at that club? I just think it's a case of, let's say trying to dominate the opposition or Mm -hmm. go after it. And as a fan, you don't want to see your team sitting back and they've got a huge fan base you don't mind losing if your team's gone for it. Mm-hmm. And it's not, not saying gone for it as in gung-ho, stupid. 
But you see they make an attempt to make an impact on the opposition mm-hmm. instead of trying to just sit and back and just letting the opposition dictate the way the game goes. So I think if fans see that, they get on board pretty quickly. And you'll mm-hmm. see with Spurs, they were before that game, what, third or before the United game, third? Something like that. And fans were still unhappy because they weren't seeing a team kind of get after it and try and make an imprint on the opposition. They were just a team sitting back, nicking results. It's all well and good, but once the results stop, then you, you don't have much to bargain with with the fans. Well, this is this is two big losses for them now in a row, uh, losing to United and losing to Newcastle. That's They are not doing well against the teams they're supposed to be surrounded by. Things are getting... They lost against mm-hmm. Arsenal as well. They even they? lost to us and it was absolutely glorious. Um, so things are getting a little bit hot for Antonio and he doesn't like to stick around when things don't go do you way. think so, Do you think he'll do one during the World Cup? Because that would be quite a good window to go, fuck this, I'm out of here. I well, it depends what position they're in. It depends how the next couple of games go. I think, yeah, he's only got a couple of months left on his contract, right? He will. Could he walk out? What do you think, Piero? He's pretty hot-headed, Antonio, right? Is his contract until the end of the season? He, he runs out this summer. He only signed eighty an eighteen-month contract, which is the least level of commitment I've ever seen in football. I think from a manager. <laughs> but yeah, what do you think? Could he, could he disappear in January? I heard, would you say 18 months with a six month release clause? <laughs> yeah, like if I'm bored. Like, yeah. Yeah. No, um, I'm not sure. Unless something drastic happens, like hugely embarrassing results and they just drop way off. Um, but I actually think he enjoys, I think he enjoys being at Spurs and London and seems like he, he likes it because he's given it probably more time than I thought he'd give it. Um, so I think he does enjoy. I've heard him do interviews and Italian TV and stuff like that about obviously unbelievable training ground. And I think he enjoys the whole environment, stadium, because it would be unbelievable to work in. But it's just his patience with trying to build an actual football team is is the question. I I think he'll stay to the end of the season. Um, But I would like to see him stay. I hope the results pick up or not too bad. Um, Give him another season or so to see what he can actually do with it. We'll see results. You know what it's like. They'll get him out quickly or he'll leave if if it goes the other way. I don't think anybody saw him leaving Inter when he did. (laughs) He just literally ran out. Like You can never second-guess the guy. Um, But before we go to the Champions League preview, I'm just going to very quickly say the referee at Arsenal was an absolute disgrace, but so were we. Um, Also, I think, um, to use your pun earlier, is um, Jesse giving his marching orders, I think you said earlier. Yes, yeah, yeah. We have got to talk Jesse as well. Um, Yeah, the referee at Southampton was back. We've been asking for this um, performance. We've been asking for these results for a while. Leeds, we were very lucky. Southampton, we weren't lucky. Um, the referee was terrible. Genuinely don't know what. He was watching Vianco and Chalet-Char, I'm going to say is the name. Both of those could have been sent off, I'll be honest. But we need to very quickly talk about Jesse Marsh. I quite like Jesse Marsh. I'd be quite sad to see him leave. I feel like Leeds fans do not feel the same way. What do you think is happening here, Andy? Do you think how long has he got left? I think I think he's struggling anyway because, again, by the virtue of just not being Marcelo Bielsa, I think the fans, <laughs> yeah, 
I think the fans weren't quite ready to let go when they did, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, with Jesse Marsh, I think he, there was a period like a few weeks back when we were saying he looks like he's got a tune out of them. Um, you know, it, it looks like he's sort of adapted to be able to start a play to something a bit more sensible um, and less chaotic. But I think... Um, I think the, the performances have sort of dived off a cliff, but I think with Leeds as well, I think I don't think they've had. Um, I don't think the squads had the necessary investment certainly in the past transfer window. Mm. I think um, you know they've got some good, they've got some good players in, but you know uh, they're still very very light up front. I think with Patrick Bamford coming back from injury, Rodrigo being very very hit and miss. A yeah. lot of the time, more mess know, than hit. I yeah, he scored. He scored like three or three goals in, in a handful of games, and you won't see him for about another two months. And I think they had, they need a bit more consistency um, up front. I think even you know, I said letting Dan James go to a divisional rival in Fulham, mm-hmm. I don't think was the smartest idea in the world because mm-hmm. although he's quite limited technically in terms of what he gives you in terms of pressing and following instructions to an absolute T, you know, mm-hmm. both his managers at Swansea, you know, even at United and at Leeds, he's always done that, is that yeah. he knows how to press, he knows how to follow instructions. I think maybe they're a little bit He gives hasty. you that outlet, right? He always yeah. gives you that outlet. Yeah, I think, I think that maybe though, and there wasn't really like a direct sort of replacement for him and I think you know when you look at their starting lineup, they're there. Yeah, Sam Greenwood who's an academy lag, and uh, Mark Rocker, and I think that that was very very lightweight midfield yeah, to be yeah, perfectly yeah. honest. And I think they were just getting overrun. Um, I think you know I think they've um, still got the potential to get out of it. I think yeah. there are worse teams out there than Leeds United. Um, just about. Just, just about, about. Like, yeah. I, I, I still feel like without him, Leeds get relegated last year. I still think if they keep hold of Bielsa, they get relegated last year. So yeah, I think absolutely. He did a good, I feel like he did a good job keeping them up. They had a good start to the season, but I've just looked through their form and it's no wins in eight and only like two draws. And you're like, okay, yeah, now it's looking a bit shaky. What do you make of um, Leeds and Jesse Marsh, Piero? Do you think, has he left an impression on the Premier League? Has he changed the narrative around American managers? Not at the moment. Um, like I say, he kept Leeds up last year. Obviously, it's a great achievement. But I think Leeds fans are in love with Bielsa. And if they had a few more positive results, maybe early in the season, and they they weren't in the situation, they, they, he'd, there'd be no questions asked. He'd, he'd be there. He kind of a he was what they wanted, kind of attacking teams and making Ellen Road like a, a hard place to go to. Um and I think they haven't got over that yet. And for a manager that's difficult if they when they're singing songs about the previous manager. Yeah, um, yeah it's not <laughs> that's it's never not an easy thing. Well, I remember, I remember Leeds fans when Bielsa got sacked. There was genuinely quite a sizable chunk of Leeds fans that openly said they would rather have gone down yeah. with Bielsa. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, that's that's how attached they were to Bielsa, is that they would have taken relegation and his reputation would have, you know, yeah. well, that's the cult of, That is the cult of Bielsa. Like, I am obsessed with the man. I absolutely love him. But he demands this, like, just the way he is. Fan bases fall in love with him. And I think you're right. I saw Leeds fans, like, in tears just crying like they could not believe he'd gone. <laughs> it's a difficult 
shoes to fill, very difficult shoes to fill, and Jesse is not doing it. I do worry for Leeds. I really want them in the Premier League. I think they bring so much to the Premier League. They're a team that other teams hate, so they bring rivalry. Ellen Road is a classic ground. It's difficult to go to. I'd much rather that than a Bournemouth. Sorry, Bournemouth fans. But I really feel like Leeds bring something to the Premier League. Um, so that is the Premier League review, I think, guys. We need to very quickly go to the Champions League preview. Um, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to kind of put you on the spot. I'm going to go with Andy first. Um, which Champions League game are you looking forward to the most this week? I think just Barcelona for the sake of them just getting booted out of the Champions League and having to play Thursday <laughs> night. Not only are they going to get, you know, battered, they're going to get absolutely battered by Bayern Munich. They're going to be playing Thursday nights and they're going to all, and they're going to have to find some new economic levers to pull. Um, and it's, it's going to be such great uh, entertainment. So that's obviously the big ticket game of that nice. one. Um, I think... Um, Club Bruges, I think they're low key actually really good. I think mm-hmm. I read somewhere though, like the first Belgian team to qualify for the knockouts mm-hmm. for quite a long time. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think it's like Anderlecht in like the early two thousands. Yeah. They're still not they've still not conceded a goal in the tournament, which is madness. And they've got Minulay in goal. What is happening? <laughs> they've still not conceded a goal. Absolutely crushing it. Um, Piero, which games are you, are you looking forward to the most? Um, probably Barcelona game, mm-hmm. like Andy said. Um, they they most likely will probably go out. Um, obviously, it doesn't really That's depend on them. Inter just need to kind of do the business, and they they kind of knock them out. Um, Benfica, Juve. Nice. That is a huge game for a last huge. chance. Last chance saloon for Juve. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, need to beat Benfica and then hope. I think. Um, oh, I think they're playing Maccabi High for Benfica yeah. last game, so they've got a bit of a touch with that, but they've got to give them, at least give themselves a chance um, to kind of take it to the last game. Yeah. And then, obviously, Milan, Zagreb and Chelsea, Salzburg, it's, it's become a sticky situation all of a sudden facing Milan. Yeah, it is a, it's a kind of close, very close group, that, right? Chelsea top on six, Salzburg on seven, Salzburg on six, Milan on four, Zagreb on four. It's all to play for, right? How are you feeling about Milan's chances? It's in your hands. You win the last two, you go through. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've got, I've still got a bit of taste in my mouth with the two Chelsea games. Um, not not because about, of especially the, the last one as well. Like yeah. that was freaked me. Not not necessarily yeah. because of the results, because of course you can lose. It's just we never actually gave him a good crack, yeah. and I think we let him off the hook twice. Yeah, um, that's yeah. why I'm unsure about Chelsea because I I don't think they've played anyone decent yet. Um, mm-hmm. So I think they're riding possibly a false wave. Um, but yeah, that that especially for me being a Milan fan in England, I wanted everyone to see like the Milan that I've yeah. been seeing yeah, yeah, um, and we didn't. So that was the kind of the bit of taste left in my mouth. Yeah. I, I, you're right. You just didn't give a proper show of yourselves. It's yeah. frustrating, right? Really, really frustrating. Um, I'm going to bring kind of a few more games. I'm going to say Dortmund city could be an mm. interesting one. Jude Bellingham in massive form. Holland going back to his old stomping ground. will probably get a hat trick, but could be an interesting <laughs> game. Um, that's on uh, Tuesday night. Um, RB Leipzig, Real Madrid could be an interesting one on Tuesday night as well. I'm also going to say Ajax, Liverpool. 
huge game that. Um, Ajax been humbled a little bit. Liverpool humbled a little bit at the weekend. That could be an interesting one. And I'm also going to throw in Napoli Rangers. Oh, I, I think, think Rangers are going to get <laughs> absolute pasted, aren't they? <laughs> is, I feel like that could get really it's, ugly. They, well, it's already getting ugly over there because they've had... Um, they they just about scraped a one 0 win in the Scottish uh, League Cup, and then they it took um, them going the opposition going down to ten men just to get a draw against Livingston. Oh. Um, they they really are in a a really shit spot, um, and it looks like you know I think Van Bronckhorst will be one for getting his P forty five before long. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I think a trip to the Stadio Maradona is not what you need at the moment. With this. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. I, they, honestly, I think um, Napoli, if they turn it on, they could do in five or six nil yeah, yeah, easily. Yeah. Um, it's um, I'm a bit worried for them. Um, I think it, another game, another good neutrals game. I think um, Celtic Shakhtar will be a good oof. one. Um, I think you know if Celtic can finally put a chance away in the Champions League, they could Mm. actually. They've had so many opportunities. Yeah, well, they've they've taken any of them. They've given it a go, and I'm I'm a fan of Postecoglou as a manager as well. I think he plays some really, really nice football, and I think he'll Mm. he'll end up in England soon enough. But yeah, I think they'll look at the this Champions League campaign with a bit of regret because Mm. they haven't just sat back and got pasted four or five nil. They've tried to go after teams and get a result, and they've just been caught perhaps for not having enough quality. But, you know, Mm. for a Scottish team to get through, you know, to even be competitive at the group stages of the Champions League is an improvement over what we've seen in the past few years. Definitely. I think they can slightly have the bragging rights over Rangers maybe a little bit in the Champions League this year, but it's kind of like two bald men fighting over a comb at this point, I think. (laughs) But we are going to leave it there. Um, I'm going to say thank you, Andy, for joining us as always. Always good to see your face. And Piero, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, we hope pleasure, you'll come guys. on again uh, for a Monday Live. If you fancy it, we will definitely have you back. Yeah, um, yeah good lad. And listeners, viewers, um, thanks for joining us, you guys as well. Um, please, as always, like, subscribe, um, follow us on Twitter at Italian Anglo Pod. Follow us on Instagram at Anglo Italian Pod. Uh, match with us on LinkedIn, all those things. We are everywhere and we will see you on Friday. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you.